1: welcome to the nfl stock exchange podcast in this episode we are recapping everything we saw from the sunday slate of action in the nfl which means we had a london game so it was more than 12 hours of football we were looking at 15 straight hours of football that's a lot of football folks connor and i watched it all and we got the takes we're telling you what mattered most from each game that we saw in the nfl from sunday Takes you gonna fly. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm Trevor Sikama with me as always is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikoma. That is Connor Rogers. Joining you guys on a well, to be honest, it's a Sunday evening. This when we're recording the podcast. But you guys are listening to it on a Monday morning as we recap the Sunday slate of the NFL action, which actually started in the AM thanks to the London game. A lot of action happened on Sunday. And what we do on these Monday podcasts are we tell you what mattered most. Connor and I go down the schedule of the Sunday slate, and we give you what we think was the lasting impact. Beyond the box score, beyond the individual stats and performances, we give you some extra PFF data, and we tell you what is going to matter most in the end, from every single game. Connor, how are we feeling tonight, my man?
0: I'm good, man. You know, I always, uh, to pull back the curtain here, I come home on Sundays from from the city, from Jets postgame. I rip uh-huh. off my tie, my dress clothes, scarf down food, and we get to do this show, which is a lot of fun. It's a little bit more laid back. It's a little bit more, hey, wide lens is everything that happened this week. and. Uh, what mattered most to me today had nothing to do with any of these games, but the fact that Mike Leach is getting involved in your wedding plans. For those that did not see, for those that did not see, and I'm sure most of you did by now, uh, at Trevor's fiance Alyssa Lang on Twitter at Alyssa Lang interviewed mike leach and it got off the rails into a deep wedding conversation i mean he's Kurt he, trevor he said he wants to set up a call with you is this happening
1: no I, I mean it absolutely needs to happen i need especially because he said that he offers his kids each ten thousand dollars if they elope instead of go through it going through a big wedding so well it's look, smart
0: by him it's oh, a long-term course. saver yeah you know
1: but look all i'm saying is you know if he's going to throw 10 grand our way to swear a decision. Then, you know, that's that's, uh, something that we got to talk about there. No, but it was, it was hilarious. Alyssa actually texted me before the game because kind of, I don't know. I don't know if you remember this, but um, that candy corn answer that he had after a game that went viral last year, Alyssa also asked him that. So she has a, I think a trend now of asking two good football questions about the game that actually happened. But then if it's obviously kind of a blowout game, which both were, she has a little bit of fun with the last question. Uh, listen, I recently got engaged uh, earlier this summer. So she's like, I'm going to ask Leach about weddings. Because he's been on record before. He's done press conferences and had answers before where he talks about eloping in weddings. And so uh, she ended up getting to do that because the interview was taped. And what you guys saw was um, – the raw unfiltered thoughts of Mike Leach and what he believes on big wedding and the wedding industry. So that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to see people kind of freaking out about that, but there's no doubt. I got to, I got to get in contact with Mike Leach. The call's got to happen. Maybe we'll we'll share some of the recordings here on this podcast, but it's
0: got to happen. It was amazing. I think Alyssa is officially the she just knows how to pour the right gasoline on the fire. That is Mike Leach. Nobody gets him started on a viral rant like your fiance. So that was the most important thing for me for the entire weekend. But we have a full slate of games to get into. Trevor, what do you want to start with today? We have to start with London.
1: You yeah, think? let's start. Let's start with the London game. Let's start with the London game, because we all woke up. You know, if you if you live on the East Coast, you woke up around. 8 30 and it was only it was only an hour hour and a half until you got real NFL football and if you if you're on the west coast well, Suck it because you guys can, you guys talk to us about having a great football watching schedule all the time. You're like, Oh, we get to wake yes, up and great call. football Sunday night, football ends and it's only eight o'clock. I'm always jealous of it. So kind of telling you to suck it here with you having to wake up at six 30 to catch the London game, but a Minnesota Vikings, New Orleans saints Vikings end up winning the game 28 to 25 thrilling at the very end with Lil- Will Lutz hitting not only the upright, but then also the crossbar as well for that field goal to barely go out. Connor, after the game, I said that that had to be the best London game ever, right? I feel like we've watched so many Mm. London games where the NFL tries to send somewhat of a competitive matchup over there and it never ends up being a competitive matchup. But this one was fun to watch. So I'll ask you just like the entertainment value of the game and then also what you kind of saw from this game. What were your big takeaways on this one?
0: My takeaways are that, well, number one, yeah, it was it was awesome. You're right. It might have been the best London game ever. I'm sure there's some that maybe we forgot. But in terms of the matchup, the matchups have been get, getting better. I know next week we get to see mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers play in London. Yep. Um, the Giants have quietly been one of the surprises of the NFL season overall. So look at it like that. that. It feels like the schedule over there is starting to pick up, which is a really, really good sign for those games. Now, what matters most to me, and I don't—I try not to do this very often, but there's part of me that just wonders is, uh, like, we're going to go through all the teams, right? And there's going to be a lot of 3 and one teams right now. I hate doing this. Viking fans are not going to like me. Are the Vikings the least inspiring 3-in-1 th- team? Like, I came away from that game. Like, man, you're playing against Andy Dalton. You, you know, you squeaked what you got by the lions and we saw the lions defense today we're going to get into that in a little bit like what we know Mm -hmm. the lions defense to be right now you got really whooped up by the eagles there's nothing wrong with that they're really good you had a really good week one game against green bay but i just kind of came away from this game like man i I thought the vikings were going to be significantly better under o'connell this year but I always have my concerns overall about their wins and losses. And I just look at the three and one teams right now and I go, man, they have a lot to clean up and there's nothing wrong with this, but so much of their offense is funneled through Justin Jefferson, that if anything ever happened to him, wide receivers get hurt all the time. I don't know what they would do. And that's easy to say about a lot of teams, but it's another concern I have as well.
1: Yeah, there's a couple of ways to look at this game, right? Like like for the Vikings, you could say, "Hey, a lot of our off-script plays didn't weren't really working very well. We weren't moving the ball super well when it was in off-script situations." And I'll get to that in a second. Um and and you could say, "Well, they still came away with the win," but if you want to be more on the I'll say like Pessimistic side, you go well. Yeah, that's where know, I am. The, the Saints didn't have Jameis Winston. They didn't have Michael Thomas. They didn't have Alvin Kamara. They didn't have Andres Pete Like they didn't have all of these players on offense. So yeah, it probably should have been a little bit easier of a of a of a win for the Vikings. But I mean, the NFL. It's still a close game. It's it's still close matchups that we see every single week, no matter what. The unique travel, going through so many time zones, a different kind of a week being in London. I think that that probably that's a really good point. The playing field a little bit there. I, I felt like the Vikings this year were going to be a team that was either at 500 or barely above 500. I, I didn't think that they were going to be this juggernaut this year, and so I still think that they're kind of on pace for that, not just with the 3-1 record, but also, like you said, yeah, they're wins. Are, are you super inspired to pick the Minnesota Vikings every week? No, not necessarily, but I will say that they are doing things well, and Kevin O'Connell is a first-time head coach, so I think that he's figuring a lot of things out. The Vikings are really good on script. I mentioned that they weren't so great off script, and what I'm saying to that is, what I mean by on script is is those drives that either open up the game, open up the half, or it's two minute drill stuff. So at the end of every half, or the, at the end of, at the end of the game, they're pretty damn good at those. When he when Kevin O'Connell can fully script out what he wants to run, the Vikings have shown that they can move the ball pretty well. They got 10 points in the first half on scripted drives, um, those first and last drives. Two touchdowns in the opening and end of half versus Green Bay. They had a drive in a field goal range and a touchdown drive at the end of the half versus the Lions. It's just, I feel like week after week, there was only really one week where they weren't able to move the ball the way that they wanted to. But both, I I shouldn't say both. It was again today against the Saints, then against Green Bay, then against Detroit. When it came to those on-script situations, Kevin O'Connell clearly knows how to orchestrate an offense. When we get in between those, late in the first quarter, early in the second quarter, that's when stuff gets a little bit dicey. And that's when, like you said, they really, if they don't get the ball to Justin Jefferson, there's not a lot of balance elsewhere. There's not a lot of other guys stepping up. So they still have to figure that out. But I do like what I see from Kevin O'Connell early, because in those moments when he can really control things, I think things are going well, and I think the head coach journey will bring him to figure out how to be a little bit more consistent in between those scripted situations. So uh, that's kind of what I think about the Vikings. I know a lot of you guys who are listening to this podcast have kind of complained that we haven't had a ton to say about the Vikings, you know, up to this point. So I wanted, I wanted to give you guys a couple. Be careful what you wish for on that one. But uh, that's kind of what, what I think. I'm I'm I I like where the Vikings are going. I don't think they're a juggernaut team obviously you're kind of a little bit more reserved on in than I am, but uh, that's what i thought with this game
0: yeah no i think it just speaks to and this is something i talked about with the draft for them for a while that that they really need another playmaker to open things up a little bit uh, for off of jefferson and yeah i think that was a little harsh by me i think that it's it's not fair to call them the least inspiring three-in-one team because actually there is another team that comes to mind but I just think the Vikings to me are so fascinating because I find them as you and I are off season guys. Like we do team building more than anything else. I never really know what they are. I think that's my point with the Vikings. Now now I look at them. What are they competitive three and one as in like a legit contender in the NFC? That's not really overwhelmingly impressive as a whole. I'm still not confident in that answer despite the record, but uh, we don't have to stay too long on the London game. The saints just have injury problems that are insurmountable at this point. Yeah. Um Trevor, are you cool with going to Falcons Browns next sure. up? Yeah, we can do so, fa- we we can do Falcons Browns next. Falcons Browns my the most important thing to me is and something that I did not expect going into this season is that the Atlanta run game is for real, for real in a way that I think they're just really well coached. Honestly, I think it's a really good scheme. Like I'm looking at it in Ultimate right now chris lindstrom and caleb mcgarry today who each had 35 run block snaps had grades in the 90s that's wow rem- remarkable when you look at the impact blocking that they were lindstrom himself who is making a case as one of the best run blocking guards in football right now had 15 positive graded run blocking plays com- compared to four negative ones that means he is wildly impacting the game when the falcons are on the ball And when you just look at the different variety of guys that got carries, Tyler Algier with 10 for 84, Caleb Mm -hmm. Huntley, yes, Caleb Huntley with 10 for 56. So they had two guys that are almost six yards a carry. Tyler Algier was 8.4. Cordero Patterson, 9 for 38, also had a touchdown. I mean, this run game, Marcus Mariota only completed seven passes and they beat the Browns 23 to 20. That's a big indictment on Arthur Smith, and he deserves his credit for that
1: yeah uh my, my point's kind of about the falcons as well because we've said before on this on the show it's hard to really get serious about judging the browns where they are at quarterback because if deshaun watson was not in the picture and coming back then you could say like all right well the browns are probably going to be barely above 500 as a team probably aren't going to compete with the best in the nfl because jacoby's probably just not going to take you there very talented elsewhere on the roster on paper but That's just kind of where we are with the Browns, and that's what it's going to be week in and week out. They're going to win some games. You're going to be like, all right, cool. Like, Let's see how many extra games they can win before Deshaun gets Can they tread water? Right, or you're just going to say like, oh, they lost. Well, of course, they they are starting Jacoby Brissett. So it's a really weird conversation to have about the Browns, and we'll get more detailed into that in in different weeks. But I also want to focus on the Atlanta Falcons because I wanted to make sure that I said this on this show. You know, we're a draft-centric show. So when we look at the Atlanta Falcons, you and I have talked about this before. They're a team that's probably destined for a top five pick. We don't think that they're very good. We think that they are certainly in the real rebuilding phase of what that roster is and that regime is right now. But I am okay with this win. You know, normally, when we look at things objectively from a draft perspective, we go lose as many games as you can, get a higher draft pick, get a better mm-hmm. impact player. And yes, that obviously is very important. But I also can't sit here and talk about that winning Winning culture matters and understanding how to win. I can't sit here and say that those things matter and then talk about the Falcons really being able to claw this one out after choking a little bit to start the season in the first couple of weeks, especially that first one against the Saints, and just totally rush that under the rug and be like, oh, they shouldn't have won this game. This is going to bite them in the butt. Maybe it will come back to bite them in the butt. But as of right now, I'm still okay with it. Because Arthur Smith's been under a lot of criticism here early on in the season. And I think for them to win this game was important. Do I wish they got their stars more involved? Yes. Marcus Mariota completed seven passes in this game. It's got to be a lot more than that if you want to compete against real teams at the top of not just the NFC, but in the NFL in general. But for right now, they ran the ball well. That's clearly what they wanted to do. They were So they were able to achieve the objective that they set forth before the game. And good on them. The defense at the end of the game, a defense that I think is very depleted of talent, really stepped up. Grady Jarrett had a huge sack near the end of the game to show you that he is still one of the good pieces along this defensive line. And then right after that, the very next play, I believe it was Jarrett who had a pressure which forced the interception, which sealed the game for Atlanta to win it. So I think that there were positive things for Atlanta there. I don't hate the fact that they got the win right now. I think that you need it, especially if you, if you still think that Arthur Smith can be the guy you needed this win, you needed it to be like this, but moving forward, what matters most. Let's get the stars involved a little bit more Arthur Smith. Come on. Like we got to get Kyle Pitts more involved. We got to get Drake London more involved. We got to get Cordero Patterson more involved. Like he has been uh, in past games that we've seen so far this year. So that's my big takeaway. Didn't hate the win, but it was a win that if you play the better teams in the NFL, you're probably not going to come away
0: with a W the way that you had your identity set up today. Falcons are going to be an interesting draft team to talk about it. They feel like a good landing spot for one of these young quarterbacks, Arthur Smith, wherever he goes, that team knows how to run the ball. So uh, we will be talking about them a lot, unless they continue to win too many games, then it's going to be interesting. And then you two get, teams... yeah, then you get a little dicey. Then you get a little, yeah, dicey. then they're not going to be in that quarterback conversation, but two teams that will win a lot of football games this year. It was the battle of two guys that are top five MVP candidates on the board right now. Trevor, that is the Bills and the Ravens. And I think it's safe to say this one lived up to expectations. What is your biggest takeaway in a game that had a lot of drama, especially on the Baltimore side at the end?
1: My what matters most biggest takeaway from this game is that we will see these teams again at the end of January.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, I think
1: that these two teams are playing at the end of January. I think the regular season record and where this game is played at the end of January – could be the determining factor for who goes to the Super Bowl. That's really what I think. Hmm. I, I, I think that no matter, depending on where this game is played, that could be the team that represents the AFC in the Super Bowl. And and the reason why is because, and it, a part of a, you know, a, a micro deal of kind of what I just said is that the rushing ability of these two quarterbacks, or just the escapability, extendability, of what Lamar and Josh Allen are able to do was so prevalent today. It was so on display. Josh Allen led the Bills in rushing yards with 70 yards. And how many times in this game did he pump fake the linebackers at the line of scrimmage, get them to just hesitate or jump, and then boom, he's scooting for five or six yards to pick up the first down and extend the drive. That's just, he's such a natural. Same with Lamar right and and, right 11
0: carries for 70 plus yards and it's just
1: that that is the part of their game that i think is so important now lamar missed on more passes than i wished he would have today so i was there were a handful of times when you know i think about that that mark andrews play that was in the end zone where it was a tight throw between where mark andrews was going at full speed in the back of the end zone but you kind of got to hit that one and there were a couple of other ones to the sideline where he was just trying to feed his receiver a little bit too far to the sideline The kind of either my guy gets it or nobody gets it throws. They were a little bit off target today. I wish you would have been more pinpoint, but there was also some weather in this game. The remnants of, of uh, Hurricane Ian was coming through in the Baltimore area, also in the Philadelphia area, which we'll get to when we talk about Phillies-Jags. And so those things, I think, definitely went into maybe the lack of on-fire passing game that we could have seen from either of these teams. I know a lot of people are going to talk about the decision by John Harbaugh at the end of the game to go for it on fourth down, to go for the touchdown, to go for the dagger. But John Harbaugh talked about it after the game, and he was basically saying, look, if we kick a field goal there, we basically give Buffalo's offense the ability to have four downs to convert every fourth down going all the way down the field to either get into field goal range which would be easy enough for them you would think because we've seen it time and time again or even worse for them to score a touchdown and basically take the game out of our own hands and we're forced to play defense for it so I actually didn't hate the logic of John Harbaugh going for it I really didn't now the play didn't work out Lamar sort of gave his guy a chance but I kind of even didn't like with the position that Lamar put himself in, fading backwards to try to get that throw to, I believe it was Duvernay in the corner of the end zone before it got picked off by Jordan Poyer. So I, 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 did, I did not hate the decision. It did not work out for them, clearly. They lost the game, but I didn't hate the decision. I didn't hate the logic behind it. It just didn't work out for them in this one. But my big takeaway is the rushing ability of these quarterbacks is to the point where they're putting themselves in MVP conversation and they're putting their teams in number one overall seed. Contention, so that was my kind of point from
0: that one. I'm with you, and I like that we don't make this show the Monday morning guess every coaching decision. I mean, will we never do that? I can't promise that, but that's not really the point of this show. And that's sure. you can listen to your local sports talk radio if you want to do that. But uh, listen, I'm with you on both these guys. I think that my sub takeaway, my like little bullet point underneath all of that, mm-hmm. and I know Rashad Bateman got banged up, so it might be easy to say use it this week. I feel like the ravens just need an alpha wide receiver I, you know you know why i say that because you look at josh allen throwing to Diggs every week you look at kirk cousins throwing to justin jefferson you look at matt stafford throwing a cooper cup and those are very extreme examples right and mahomes had tyree kill for all of his career until this year and then the chiefs are gonna have another big time receiver in his career lifetime at under center i, I think lamar doesn't have that guy that he can constantly lean on and for how much he escapes and makes plays Devin duvernay is a nice story he's solid i think bateman's going to be a good player mark andrews is you know when mark andrews is at his best he's the best pass catching tight end in the nfl right it just feels like this baltimore offense is missing that dynamic i can win the ball i can be a 12 target guy on any given day and I know they want to be patient to let Bateman become that guy, and I get that. But this is Lamar Jackson in yet another MVP caliber year. And a Lamar Jackson that should be in Baltimore the rest of his career. And I, I think it's they're gonna find a way to make sure that gets done. But it feels like he is missing his Robin in, on this team right now.
1: No, no Batmans. Or no Robins. We're all Batmans. They're all,
0: they're all Batmans. We're all bad. The Eagles, the Eagles way. The Eagles could say that. I don't think the Baltimore Ravens can say that. Lamar Jackson is one of the most special players I've ever watched in my years of watching the NFL for how unique he is.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I I do agree with you partially. I think that Mark Andrews is an absolute stud and clearly they run their passing offense through him and he rewards them time and time again. But as we have also seen so many times throughout the league, right? um, Look at what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have done, right? They get Tom Brady and at the time, they had Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and what did they do they said that's not enough we're going to get Antonio Brown and when Antonio Brown was out of there they went that's not enough we're going to get we're going to get Julio Jones Russell Gage right and like all these dudes and so it's like you would think to yourself like oh you know Tom Brady Mike Evans and Chris Godwin I mean like that's enough like that's going to be incredible right there but in this league you can never have too many pass catching weapons and so I, I would agree I still think I, w- I would love to see the Ravens maybe not a first round pick on a wide receiver but continue to invest in that position continue to get more dynamic get guys that you can lead.
0: I, maybe I if- would go trade for one if one becomes available like the Eagles did for Jalen Hurts like I I think they should be in that mold of like let's F this first round pick Let's go get a baller for Lamar Jackson. And I they could figure out the money. I don't know. Maybe I'm overreacting, hey, but DJ Moore's pretty
1: pissed off in uh in Carolina, I feel like. Done. I mean, work should we go there? I mean <laughs> good segue. All right, yeah, sure. We'll go to Carolina next. Carolina and uh and Arizona is the next game that we could talk about here. Arizona yeah. Cardinals come away victorious, ten point win, twenty six to sixteen
0: in Carolina. Connor, what was your big takeaway and what mattered most. For me this. and you talk enough off air that I we have the same one here, but I want you to say it because you logged on the old Zoom machine and, and and laid it down and I said, "Man, there's nothing else to say. That has to be the takeaway." So please take the floor.
1: Uh somebody else will be coaching both of these teams
0: and maybe picking the players on them as well.
1: Uh yeah, I don't I don't know what the fates of Steve Kimm and Scott Fitter are going to be the two general managers for Arizona and Carolina, but um, I think the head coaches are done. I think Matt Rule is done. Um, oh, Tom Pellicero
0: had a stat. Um, oh I'm, I got to look it up real quick. Because yeah, you find just, it. I'll take the wheel for a it's, second. It's unreal. Yeah, go ahead. Baker Mayfield with another tough day. Twenty-two at thirty-six, under two hundred yards. Uh, the two interceptions. He was sacked twice. It just feels like Baker is just not playing fast right now. And Kyler Murray, um, has not been. You know the MVP caliber Kyler Murray that they paid him to be. And these defenses, notably uh, both. I think they have young talent on both these defenses, but they, these teams are just not organized or, or, play ready week in and week out. Trevor, you got the stat.
1: Yeah. Tom Pelicero tweeted this after the Panthers game went final. Panthers are now one and 26 under Matt rule. When the opponent scores at least 17 points, including I mean, 24 losses in a, row There are only so many times when you can say to yourself, Oh, yeah, but next time. You know, next time, No, you deserve better, Panthers fans. It's coming up better. soon. It's coming up soon. Panthers fans are uh are uh great people. I know a lot of really great Panthers fans who are very passionate about their team, and I do think that they deserve better. Now, I don't think that Matt Rule is the only one who is under fire here. Look at what the Panthers, I think, have done. They went bargain shopping with Sam donald it failed. They went bargain shopping with Sam with uh with Baker Mayfield, it failed. I think a lot of the offensive construction that they have had on their team falls on not just Matt rule, but also Scott Fitter and also David Tepper, the owner as well. I do not think that he is blameless in this because I know he's an active owner. He has his hand in a lot of things. He lets those guys manage the team, but he's definitely involved. And, you know, I think that this is a really hard lesson for David Tepper to learn as the owner um, because he is a relatively new owner with Carolina. And that is, it's the old truth. There's two types of teams in the NFL, right? Teams that have a franchise quarterback, teams that don't. That's it. Once you start bargain shopping for quarterbacks, and we can get to the Indianapolis Colts next if we want to, but the Colts have done the same thing. Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. They're just in purgatory, just trying to rent quarterbacks for a cheaper price and get by. And sometimes the situation doesn't lend itself to anything better than that, but I feel like Carolina has had the chance to get aggressive. I know they went after Deshaun Watson and it failed on him, but – it just they have they have dug their own grave here matt rule has dug his own grave i think carolina you got to move on from your i mean they were barely getting dj Moore the ball before this week and and he led the team in targets this week yeah he had 11 targets they were like okay 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 <laughs> and so they got dj Moore the ball a little bit this week but it didn't matter six catches 50 yards they end up losing by 10 and on the other side of things yeah the cardinals come away with the win they're at two and two now in the season but like you saw Cliff and, and Kyler like screaming at each other on the sideline, like when things weren't working. Like, I just, I, I don't think, I do not think that Cliff is is long for being the head coach in Arizona. I understand that seven months ago, both he and Steve Kime signed extensions, but I mean, that money is, and those contracts are imaginary to me. Like you're, you're paying them no matter what. So would, would you rather just pay to continue to be bad? Because, Connor, we talked about it last week. Cliff Kingsbury's thing is starting off hot they stink like this did the, the the team stinks the team still stinks so uh it's my big takeaway man is that i think they're under new management and i think they're under new coaching staff next year
0: but the, well the the thing is they should be right i i don't know if they will be for financial reasons or i, I just you're right i'm watching the clip right now of kyler and cliff and you know cliff was this was all a big plan together here and it's it's just it doesn't seem i know we're talking about this after a win but i I have a lot of questions about arizona i get and maybe that's biased because they're our regression team and, and they did win here the panthers it's not even questions we know the answers like this this can't go onward with matt rule they have not they do not have a functioning offense um they have this all the skill town in the world it feels like You're right. And Trevor, to your point, you know, you said that they tried to bargain shop with Darnold and Baker and they drafted Corral, who had bad luck injury. Mm. The Darnold decision, especially when you watch the behind the scenes of their video series when they make that trade, they gave up a second, a fourth and a sixth and paid him on that fifth year option a good amount of money. They really believe that Darnold was their franchise guy and it didn't work out that first year. They got another crack by getting Baker and also drafting Corral. The Corral injury is its own thing. But I just think, you know, are you really giving this group the next guy? Are you just going to keep letting them take their cracks over and over again? I personally find that very hard to believe.
1: I love where the defense is going. I do. So we'll we'll Well, end on a positive note. Yeah, Phil Snow's
0: done a good job.
1: Love where the defense is going. I do. It's just, you got to be under new leadership. You got to be under new offensive tutelage. Somebody else has got to play quarterback for you. So Carolina, I know things look bleak right now, but... What are they? Uh, one and three. Is that what they are? They can't They're be one better. and three. Yeah, they can't be better than that. They're one and three. <laughs> Panthers fans, honestly, you you've got to be hoping for losses.
0: Like you've got to be hoping for Bryce Young or CJ. i would Stratton. say, you want That's Bryce better. Young or CJ Stratton? Like this isn't yeah. even yeah. this isn't even up for debate. And we'll close the book here because I know we're running long on on maybe my least favorite game of the entire Sunday somehow, <laughs> uh, which tends to happen. Yes, you got the Niners, the Rams, Bucks, the mm-hmm. Falcons, who look very capable right now like this isn't some there's not a lot of win like no-brainer wins on the schedule for the panthers right now so uh, that's let's, good. let's
1: let's talk about the colts i mentioned i mentioned teams yes. that are going bargain shopping for uh quarterbacks i don't have a ton to say about this game it tennessee titans ended up winning this one 24 to, to 17 over the colts colts dropped to one two and one um it's kind of a goddamn miracle that they even have that one win if we're being honest this is this is i think one of the One of the worst teams in the NFL. I don't know how else to say it. Like, this is a team that on paper you should absolutely believe in, but I I don't. And, And the reason why I don't is because of Matt Ryan and it's because of his offensive line. Matt Ryan's got three fumbles lost already this season. His career high in a single year is five. And guess what? That was last year. So it's not trending in the right direction for Matt Ryan. He's not as pinpoint accurate as he used to be. He's got five interceptions already this year, which is on pace to be a career high that he has ever had, getting 20 for the first time in his career. And I think accuracy also goes into that. The Matt Ryan bargain shop, I did not think that he was going to plummet off a cliff this not hard. Like this. But here we are, man. He's turning the ball over. He's not accurate the way that he needs to be. It's just not good. And then when you look at the Colts' offensive line as well, they've got a 65.3 offensive line grade for this season. They were 79.4 last year. That's almost a 15-point grade jump. That's a lot. That's bad. That's a serious dip. They're 30th in the NFL in in pass block win rate. That I mean, this is the highest-paid offensive line in the NFL, and they cannot protect Matt Ryan to truly save I, I, to save their lives or save Matt Ryan's career. It seems like because I don't know if Ryan is seeing ghosts, but the ball is not going where it needs to be, and in, in fact, it's going to the other team or it's on the turf a lot more than it has ever been in Matt Ryan's career. And I got to think the offensive line is a decent uh, amount to blame there. They also get—I they, mean—they can't get the ball to Naheem Hines, which is so crazy to me as well. It's crazy to me um it's just I don't believe in this Colts team man I this is you know you, you and I have talked about head coaches and who's going to get fired first and all that I still don't think that Frank is going to be the first head coach fired it'd be weird for the Colts to fire a coach in the middle of the season so I feel I'm still skeptical of that but yeah holy cow, man. Be that. it is just not a well coached team right now it is not this team could easily still be winless um and it's not looking good in, in, in Indianapolis. So that is my biggest takeaway there. As a draft podcast, uh, the Colts are going to be a team that we're going to talk about often in the draft.
0: For me, Trevor, I look at it like this. I think we know that this is probably a one-and-done year for Matt Ryan in Indy. Mm-hmm. And let's assume, because I think they will keep Chris Ballard, who is a really good GM. It's just the quarterback decision is just an endless cycle right now. And as I look at this, Matt Ryan does have a lot of money on the books next year. A lot of money maybe they can there's a way around this but it looks like an 18 million dead hit i mean i just don't know what the answer is for the what my one titans takeaway before i forget i thought derrick henry looked like himself again for the yep. first time this looks year uh, derrick henry looked fast he looked explosive they got him that train rolling down the tracks loved how derrick henry looked titans are two and two they had their backs against the wall big news for the titans winning this game decisively one final note on the Colts before we move on yeah i i like, they just have hit a total roadblock at quarterback because they don't ever have the draft capital to get these premium guys. Now, are they going to go, you know, or, are you going to try to trade for uh, Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins? I'm saying names that hypothetically could hit the market. What, like, what do you do at this point if you're the Colts? It's so hard because they're never bad enough that it's like, hey, we got a top five pick. Here's our guy, right? Like, sometimes it's good to be that bad.
1: Yeah.
0: it's. Yeah. And I don't, by the way, I don't have the answer to that question. It's just a question that I'm closing this game on because it's going to be a big part of our draft coverage.
1: I was going to say, we're going to be answering that question. I think over the next couple of months, Give me time. I need the answers. Uh, we're talking, well, I I was just going to say, we got to talk Jets, Steelers, and we also got to talk Jaguars, Eagles, but before we get to that, got to tell you about our friends over at no house advantage. They are changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. You can play pickup contests versus other people for a shot at winning $250,000 in cash. You download the app, you choose a contest, you select your player props, earn points for correct picks, climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every single day. You can also test your skills versus the house and uh, get up to 20 times 20 times your entry if you hit all of your picks. You bet on up to 5 player props, over/unders, or individual player matchups across all major sports including NFL and NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, NASCAR. Sign up now with the promo code STOCK to really help with this podcast if you end up doing that at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the App Store and get your first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check in uh, on No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play and you will not want to miss out on this. Also, if you guys don't have the PFF app, now that I'm thinking about it, go check it out. If you got an Apple device, it's the very best of PFF right in the palm of your hand. You get the industry-leading fantasy football advice. You get the betting dashboard that we use all the time here on this show. You get all the hard-hitting football analysis after every single week. It's a good time. Whatever you love most about PFF, I guarantee that you're going to be able to find it right in a beautifully, aesthetically pleasing app in the palm of your hand. Go check it out. Go download it. If you get an Apple device, over at the Apple Store, PFF, or Pro Football Focus. Where do you want to go next, Connor? What game
0: do you want to hit? Washington-Dallas. Ooh, okay, okay. Um... I don't have, like, an overwhelming ton for this game, personally. I think my biggest alarming thing is that, one, credit to Dallas for taking care of business without Dak. They really do deserve a lot of credit for that because I think... Cooper Rush, they, baby, four and and 4-0. 4-0 is a starter. Hand. Never lost. Never when lost. it was, hey, we're going with Cooper Rush, I was like, man, is there really nobody that they could trade for? And then you think about it, there's really not. Nobody's trading their backup quarterbacks right now. No. Credit, credit to Dallas where it's due. My other takeaway, which I know you want to lean on as well... Washington's defense stinks. It stinks. And this is a unit that two years ago, I was like, man, they could be building one of the best defenses in football. And I know they're dealing with some of their own problems as well in terms of missing players. But Trevor, I don't really think they do anything well, to be honest with you on defense. I just look at this team and I go, how did we get here with them? I feel like they don't do a lot consistently well. And I think that when you have a quarterback that can hit explosive plays, but is also prone to turnovers, it's a really bad combination. And unfortunately for the Commanders, they are now one and three. You
1: know, I don't hate. I, I mean, I don't hate what Washington's doing up front. You know, John Allen, Deron Payne, the like I think they're, they're They're good defensive linemen, I, and so like I, I don't hate the front. I really don't. The secondary is tough for them right now. Yeah, the secondary is such a uh, such an Achilles heel for that defense. That shoot, we thought two years ago we thought on paper this should. Group should have been really good. We went into yeah, this they year. spent some money. Right, maybe it's going to be a bounce-back year for him. You know, I follow I follow Mark Bullock on, on Twitter. If you guys don't, you really should. And he said this, and I totally agree with it. It feels like there is a conflicting philosophy with how they have their secondary players set up. If they run man coverage concepts, Ken four is not good at him. He's much more of a off-zone, let me watch the quarterback, let me bait him, let me use space to my advantage. So he's much more of a zone guy. And you can tell when he goes man up against players, he had a couple of big plays that he gave up against the Cowboys when he was supposed to be in man, when he was in press man coverage, because he's just not good at it. And then the flip side, if you got Will Jackson, Will Jackson's better in man. So if you play him in off coverage, he just doesn't understand that spacing as well. It's not what he's good at. He'd much rather get his hands on guys. So no matter what you're calling, you've got like two different corners with different philosophies of how well they play. And you're trying to play both of those guys. And so I think that that's kind of a crossroads of where they're at when you look at some more advanced statistics um 0.243 epa per play given up in the passing game in week four their average for the season is 0.118 both of those scores just to put it in a little bit more english bottom 10 in the nfl so they're not in a good place with either of those that means they're giving up a lot of bigger plays and a lot of plays that lead to points in coverage in the passing game overall they just have that 59.7 coverage grade as a team it's just not going to get it done so they got to figure something out in this secondary um, maybe it's I, I don't know if it's something that gets fixed this year because it feels like they've got different kind of corners in there maybe they could play them a little bit different maybe they can get better at uh, at the different kinds of coverage schemes but that's the way that Mark was seeing and I thought he did a brilliant job pointing that out on Twitter because I see that a lot as well it feels like when one guy is is, is playing strong the other guy is struggling also I'll just before we move on, talk about the offense with the Commanders. Start off strong this season; they had 28 and 27 points in the first two weeks of the year, and since then they had eight and 10. That's not good. I mean, they're just they're just not able to move the ball right now. Offensive lines kind of struggling in front of Carson Wentz. They're not really able to block for him very well. But Wentz isn't doing himself any favors as well. He's the uh, he seems to be the Carson Wentz of old, the Carson Wentz that we all know and love. That's seeing ghosts, pump faking everywhere, holding onto the ball way too long, and it's just it's not yielding. The results that you want so
0: that's kind of my thoughts on washington anything else before we move on no i think that's where i stand on them as well and it's just yeah it's you know I, I know we're harsh on the defense but the numbers just speak for themselves they're just not consistent right now for a unit that i think is much better on paper than what they've shown so okay i do want to move to the most ridiculous game of sunday it has to be Lions seahawks right like it just has to be lion seahawks if you told somebody over summer that a game that geno smith and jared goff started would almost tally 100 total points <laughs> they would look at you like you need to be put in a psych center uh but geno <laughs> smith 23 for 30 320 two touchdowns no picks get jared goff 26 for 39 almost 400 yards four touchdowns one pick Rashad Penny ran for a gazillion yards. Jamal Williams ran for over a hundred. Uh, Trevor, I will do this both ways. Mm-hmm. One credit to both of these guys who were entirely written off at one point or another by multiple people, whether it's media, NFL, all this and that. Number two, these defenses are having a hell of a time out there week after week, and this was <laughs> like, this was the full pinnacle of hey, it. Hey, Tariq had a pick six. Three equal one out of pick six yeah i mean sure it's just (laughs) man it's it's crazy to me now seattle lost jamal adams in the beginning of the year yeah we know the lions are still building this thing but it's um it's it's definitely a struggle in every i mean we just kind of crapped on washington's defense a little bit this is like a whole new world of that 1075 total yards between these
1: two (laughs) teams today we got it's we track got me we got over a band we got over a hundred on this uh, uh or we got over a thousand in this game which is pretty you're right it was a track me absolutely here's a fun seahawks
0: fact. lions track me here's a fun fact
1: seahawks did not punt in this game for the first that's a, time that's amazing in franchise history that's incredible they did not punt in this game their possessions went touchdown touchdown field goal touchdown missed field goal touchdown field goal touchdown end of game truly Dude. incredible it's truly remarkable incredible. my biggest point my biggest takeaway is that the lions you know i, I don't think the Se- the people really thought the seahawks would be very good this year geno yeah. smiths actually making that offense very enjoyable rashad was, was fantastic the seahawks offensive line was bullying the Lions defensive line today, which is kind of crazy to see. I didn't think that I was going to see that. But so I want to credit the the Seahawks on offense. They look a lot better than I thought that they were going to. But I do think what matters most in this game is how bad the Lions defense is. This is a bad team now. We're, we are four games into this bad boy. And uh, Connor, I don't know if you knew this, but the Lions have the most points in the NFL right now. The most points scored. They are one in three. Yeah. They are one. They have the most points scored in the NFL, and they are one and three. They gave up 550 yards of offense to the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle converted eight of 11 third downs, went into this game averaging the most points allowed per game and the third most yards. They're going to stay at number one for average points given up per game, and they're probably going to creep a little bit closer to, if not at number one, for most yards given up um, throughout four games of the season. It's just it's not good man average depth of tackle 4.73 which is in the bottom half of the league that shows you that the defensive line is not holding the point of attack they're not doing their job up front they need to get a lot better I know people are getting on Aiden Hutchinson for feeling like he's been a ghost so far this season outside of the three sack game which if we're being honest if you went back and you watched those three sacks they were yeah kind of gifted sacks anyway so Hutchinson's still figuring it out the rest of the defensive line's not stepping up the way they need to He's getting hot for Aaron Glenn, man. It, and it, says, it is, and I love
0: Aaron Glenn. So I do things. too.
1: I do too, man. He was he was awesome to, to to be around in the Senior Bowl. I got to chat with him a little bit. Got to meet him and, and just talk to the rest of the staff. And it's a staff that I'm I'm totally rooting for. I love a lot of the guys on that staff, but you got to get results. Right now, Detroit does not have results, and you cannot score the most points in the NFL for through four weeks and be one and three.
0: You just can't. No. No, you can't. My, my final note in that game, Trevor, I think Penny Sewell will be regarded as the best right tackle in football by the end of the season. Yeah, he, he just looks amazing. Uh, that's Weep. shots
1: fired at Tristan Wirfs, and so I cannot agree with it. Um,
0: Tristan he, Wirfs, who I wished was a New York Jet. Oh, hmm. man. How did, a, how, did, how did Elijah Vera Tucker do at left tackle today? He held his own. He did oh, not please. give up a sack or a quarterback hit. Ooh, nice I the like man it. is just he 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 only him and elton jenkins are like the two ultimate like chest pieces of the offensive line in it I, I think it's the most underappreciated like to be able to play any o position on the o-line is just it's unbelievable true talent unbelievable. Can, we, can we talk jet Steelers now can we get into that? yeah good
1: transition okay all right, you look, obviously you got to take it away, Zach. Zach Wilson's triumphant return. Well, I have return, to watch
0: this game. Zach, <laughs> <laughs>
1: they pay me to watch this game. I literally uh, have to watch this game. <laughs> Zach Wilson caught a touchdown in this game from the Milphy special that I saw on Twitter. Is what somebody called it. Which the Milphy special.
0: On uh, just. just <laughs> Shout out to Meigs on Twitter who said it's the Milphy special. I mean, I I will actually be kind of more condensed with this game. My most important thing, because that is the point of this exercise, and I Mm -hmm. feel like I talk about eight different things from each game. My most important thing is that Zach Wilson had a really tough middle of the game, and with two-minute drill, game on the line, he went five for five for 57 yards down the field flawlessly uh, with a makeshift offensive line, and guys are going to believe in that going forward. He He won the game. He said, let's go effing score. He went down the field and won the game. And for everybody that got their Zach Wilson jokes off in the second and third quarter, which is, I get it. Everybody's got to get their likes and retweets. It was pretty cool to see. And, and Pittsburgh has their own problems this year. They mm-hmm. they are really struggling in a lot of areas. They moved to Kenny Pickett. It didn't work out uh, th- through the whole game. But you go on the road in Pittsburgh. You went in a tough place. Your first game back from a pretty tough knee injury. It, it's just, it's a massive, massive step in the right direction for Zach Wilson.
1: Yeah, midway through the game, his stats were super unimpressive. Oh, going nowhere.
0: You're right. You look at it at
1: the end of the game, and you go, okay, not bad. Not bad there. Building blocks there, which you love to see um, from the Jets. On the other side of things, Kenny Pickett, the spark that he gave that team when he came in the game, I know the results were not what you wanted, right? He throws zero touchdowns. He throws three interceptions. Not great. But you could feel things were different when he came into the game. Crowd went ballistic. Yeah, not to get like too, like, emotional and like uh you know intangible with it but they weren't going anywhere with Trubisky like it, it, it was it was never going to get better with Trubisky and we have said this before on the show the next four games for the for the Steelers Bills Bucks J- uh, Dolphins and then it's the Eagles and then it's the bye week and then it's the Saints so like it gets really difficult for the Steelers over the next six weeks of football do you want to throw a rookie quarterback to that no probably not. Tomlin didn't commit to him after the game. And and I know that he didn't probably because. Which is is weird. Yeah, but he still wants to hold that card. Like, if he truly does not think it is smart to send Kenny to the Wolves, then he's not going to play him. But it's going to be really hard for him to do that, given how crazy, like you said, the stadium went and how different it felt when Kenny was in the game, even with Kenny not really doing a lot. He had the two rushing touchdowns, but those were easy. They were right on the goal line. He did
0: activate George Pickens. If you want to say anything good about He Love did. He that. he hit the back shoulder ball to him. He really did activate George Pickens. So that, that's the one like that's something that should be very promising to Steelers fans with Pickett if they can take something away like that. So that's
1: my 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 one thing that mattered most is, is you could just feel things were different when Kenny Pickett was in the game. Even with me not having the most confident in Pickett really being able to totally change the Steelers offense, the way that it is currently constructed behind the offensive line, the way that it is currently constructed, it was a different feel. And it's really hard to win football games when your roster, specifically your offense is just in purgatory when there is so much, eh, not really no 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 fire. I mean, we don't really love the guy who's leading us. Like it's so hard to win in the NFL yeah. anyways. It's extremely hard when you're not playing with uh with the team that you really want to fight for. And I don't I mean to speak I don't I guess I shouldn't say that. I don't want to speak for guys. Maybe they would fight for Mitch Trubisky, but it just felt like it was different when Kenny was in the game. So that was my big takeaway there. Let's move on. Let's go to let's go to the next game.
0: Let's wanna talk close about, uh... the book on New York football here? Yeah, sure. We'll go Giants Bears. Giants. Giants- and- yeah this this is one huge easy. dub
1: huge dub massive three dub. and one three and one baby wait was this the other team that was the least inspiring three and one team when you were talking about the vikings
0: you know what though for the giants i want to say this the giants look like a really well-coached football team like that's why i do want to pull that back i don't know if it's fair to call them uninspiring because of the giants future is in my opinion not necessarily Daniel Jones it's not necessarily a lot of the guys Dave Gettleman paid bad contracts to it's the guys they hired and the guys they hired are doing the best with what they have to work with Mm -hmm. my quick takeaway Trevor I only have one big on this one besides that is Saquon Barkley looks like one of the best skilled players in football and it's it's great for football that Saquon Barkley looks like that I'm fascinated to see how the Giants handle that in the offseason with him but Saquon Barkley is having a hell of a bounce back gear, and it's it's amazing to watch.
1: Uh RB1 right now in the NFL had 31 carries today, 146 yards on the ground. He had to at the end. They had no quarterbacks. Yeah. Broke foot like that which which was nuts. Daniel Jones gets hurt. Tyra Taylor gets hurt. And they go, uh, Saquon, just go be Wildcat. Broke had four broken tackles. On the on the on the runs in which he had broken tackles, he had 94 yards after contact, which is a 3.4 yards per carry average on the day. Saquon's two guys not allowed to back, throw the baby. ball
0: justin fields and saquon barkley a quarterback in this game
1: dude it got better for fields Look, on that I, front I, you know it's giants well. are three and one congratulations it's tough to win in the nfl don't mean to take anything away from you <laughs> there uh, again i have to sit here and, and say that the thing that mattered most is what's going on in chicago because it absolutely is because you know we all thought that they had potentially a franchise quarterback and even though things were going great in the coaching staff when it was matt nagy uh you said to yourself okay well they can survive this because they got the franchise quarterback in place matt Eberflus flew to the guy there now um luke Getzi, i think is how you say his name an offensive coordinator it's just whatever he's doing is is not working man it's just not working the o-line's a problem the o-line's a massive problem for this team so i don't know how much progression we're getting from fields by the anyways. root of the
0: problems right
1: I mean, Fields is also a problem himself, but yeah. it's, kind of like the sacks. Chi- it's kind of like Ugh. the chicken or the egg, but it doesn't really matter, yes. right? Because it's a good Fields-, putting it. Fields has taken 16 sacks through four games, which is tied for the second most by a bear in that stretch since the 1970 merger. Love a stat that starts with since the merger. Trailing only Jay Cutler in 2010 when he had 17. Courtney Cronin tweeted that out, so I wanted to make sure that I gave her a shout out for that because O-line allowed six sacks today. You're right. This team hasn't had a passing touchdown in three games, Connor. It's That's, I mean it's just in this, this NFL. Is, you can't what what game were we just talking about where it's like Oh, it was the it was State the Fox Lions? No, oh. it was the, it was the Falcons game. No, it was the Falcons game where I was like you are not going to be able to beat teams throwing the ball or completing seven passes, right? You're not going to be able to beat teams it's when not Kyle Pitts gets two catches. You're not going to be able to beat teams when Drake London gets two catches. You can sit here and be like, hey, we won the game by running for over 200 yards. That's cool. It's just not going to beat the best teams in the NFL. It's just straight up not going to. And it's certainly not going to be the case with the Chicago Bears roster the way that it is constructed now. So Chicago is in a bad place, man. They're really bad place. The offensive line's bad. Fields has zero confidence when he's passing the football. His offensive coordinator clearly doesn't have faith in him to really open things up. It's just a mess all around. So that was my biggest takeaway from that.
0: All right. Uh, Jacksonville and Philadelphia. Yeah. A, a game where, you know, Trevor Lawrence had some fumbles. He had the interception. You know Lawrence has been really, really good this year. It was his first real like. Okay, he's out there struggling. He's going against a great team. Jalen Hurts didn't have to be a superhero um, through the air in this game. Overall, my takeaway is Jacksonville showed that they're going to be in every game this year, despite you know despite losing in this one. I thought their defense has a lot of fight. I think as a team they have a lot of fight. It felt like everything was going against them in this game, and they mm-hmm. still hung around against Philadelphia. So. The Eagles are just really good. We say that every week. That's I don't really have much of a takeaway from them. For me, it's just that Jacksonville is going to be a sustainable problem going forward, despite losing and having a tough go of it at quarterback. It's hard
1: to not look at this Eagles team. And well, I should I should start that over. It's hard to look at this Eagles team and not have faith in them. Yeah. When you look at the first three games and how they won all of those games in different ways. Today, what happened? Yeah, they were at home. Okay. So you could be like, okay, they were at home. But the weather was awful yep it it was pouring the entire game Jacksonville gets off to a 14-0 lead which came from seven of those points came off of a turnover a a, uh, Jalen Hurts interception that he threw which you could say like oh you know it bounced off the defender yeah but it probably should have been picked off anyways because Jalen was so late on the throw and yet what happened Connor they rebounded they stayed calm they stayed cool they stayed confident they executed they end up winning this game 29 to 21. This team is really damn good. And I think specifically, we talk about the Eagles offense a lot. This Eagles defense is playing well enough to where the Eagles can run the offense exactly the way they want to. This is not going to be a vertical passing offense. It's just not. They're not going to push the ball down the field. Jalen Hurts is going to be launching it every single drive, no matter what. They're going to be, when I say dink and dunk down the field, it, it makes me think, it makes it sound like it's a bad thing, like I'm oversimplifying things. But, It's just going to be a lot of shorter passes. It's going to be a lot of read options. It's going to be a lot of multiple threats on every single play. And that's how they're going to move the ball. They're going to be methodical. They're not going to be this team that has massive chunk play, chunk play, chunk play. Now we're in scoring range. No, I think it's going to be longer, sustained drives. They're going to be in control. And because of that, I think they're going to take care of the football really well all year long. And they're allowed to do that because their defense controls what other offenses are doing so well. And because of that, Connor, the defense is doing exactly what they need to, and they're being really efficient about it. And if the offense is in the same exact kind of boat, staying versatile, staying multiple, executing where they need to, having a great leader at quarterback who they're putting in a great position at all times with good weapons around him. Guess what? Nick Sirianni's right there in the top three for coach of the year. Maybe he's the favorite at this point for coach of the year for what Philadelphia is doing, how they are able to win. That is my what matters most. This is a complete team. They had less than ideal circumstances, both with the weather and with an early double digit double score deficit. And you know what? They didn't panic. They played their game and they won in the end. I loved seeing that from Philadelphia. That was my biggest takeaway.
0: I like it. All right, the last of our one o'clock's here, we did dip into one of the four PMs, but the last of the one o'clock's here, The Chargers against the Texans, the score ended up Chargers 34, Mm. Texans 24. My quick one here, Trevor, and it's good to see them actually embracing that this week, is that the Texans just need to lean on Damian Pierce because they just don't have enough talent as a whole to get too cute with that. Lean on Damian Pierce. He had all 14 of their carries, 131 yards, and the touchdown after almost 10 yards a carry. Uh, Listen, the Chargers took care of business today. Herbert, a very, very efficient game, 340 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers. Wildly efficient. Austin Eckler got back on uh, the total fantasy radar as people seem to be panicking about him all the time. He had three touchdowns. But my takeaway is that the Texans, they're still kind of far away. We know they're rebuilding. They're 0-3-1. They're going to be the team that gets that Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud treatment over and over again until they're not in that territory, and it looks like they very well could finish in that territory. Mm -hmm. So during this very tough year they're going to have to go through, they're going to have to lean on Pierce, and the bright side of this bad game for them was that they did. Oh, they're back on a carry today. It's just Damian.
1: 14 carries. Rex Burkhead got involved in the passing game, but it was only Damian Pierce who got carries out of the backfield, so they're going to lean on him a ton. You love to see that. On the flip side of things for the Chargers, I'll just say that this is obviously the team that has the playoff aspirations, that has Super Bowl aspirations still. It's going to be tough, given all the injuries that they have, for them to beat the teams that they should beat in a manner in which they should beat them. Right? There's going to be a lot of teams, like the Texans today, right? They clearly had this game in the bag at the early parts of the game. They were winning by, I think, more than 20 when this game went to halftime. And what happened? Well, they let the Texans back into it. And I just don't think they're going to be as dominant as they could be with all the injuries they have. So unfortunately, that might mean that they'll probably slip up here and there, maybe get an extra loss or two because they're not able to put teams away the way that you need to in this league to secure wins. So that's the tough part for me. I, I agree with you. I think the biggest takeaway is is there the Texans are leaning on Damian Pierce, which you love to see. Um, defense clearly wasn't good enough on that side of the ball, but defense is up and down anyways. But then for the Chargers, it's just going to be a struggle every week. It's you're going to be in close games every single week. You're going to be in nervous games. You're going to be sweating a lot. Make sure you hydrate. Get an extra bottle of water in there before it kicks off if you're a Chargers fan because it's just it's you're going to be nervous every single week. That's my takeaway there.
0: What's next? Patriots-Packers, a really strange Ooh. game. Okay. Yeah, a really, really strange game. The Patriots lose Brian Hoyer very early. Mm-hmm. They were already down Mac Jones. Billy Zappi comes in, uh, does enough to keep them around the game. Kind of strange. I'm really still shocked that Green Bay didn't run away with this one. My what matters most is that I'm really torn on this one, personally. I, I think... <sighs> I just, what matters most to me is I can't figure out, and maybe it's because they were banged up in the secondary. I know Jair didn't play in this game, but Trevor, is this weird to say about a 3 and one team? I feel like Green Bay is better than what they've shown so far. Like, I can't get over that Green Bay, who was a 10-point favorite in this game against Bailey Zappi, went into overtime with New England. And I don't know what the exact answer is of why they are not putting away opponents like these. New England is very well coached. They play hard defense. They can run the ball. We saw Damian Harrison or Mondre Stevenson combine for I think over 150 yards today on the ground. Mm-hmm. But you know that if Billy Zappi's back there, right? So yeah. maybe this will speak more about the Patriots in a couple weeks. Maybe they just is just who they are. They're grinding out teams no matter who's back there. But I just, I want more from Green Bay right now who I have such high expectations for. And I know they're still feeling out the wide receiver situation. Romeo Dobbs had a big touchdown catch at the end after having a slow start to the day. Lazard went over a hundred yards, but there's just something missing with this Green Bay team right now from them being the cream of the crop in the NFC that we expect them to be. Yeah, until they figure it out at
1: wide receiver, uh, I don't think they're going to be the Packers that we in our minds all believe the Packers are to be. Dobbs had a great game. Shoot. I think that Lazard had a great game. Cobb had a really, really clutch catch. Right. But there were even within those things, you can notice moments where Rodgers is missing, missing Christian Watson because he's probably not where he's supposed to be on a deep fade going towards the sideline or Romeo Dobbs dropping what should have been. I think that would have been the game winning touchdown where he lets it go straight into his arms and he corrals it, but he just can't survive the ground and he can't bring that thing in. So, I just, there were, there were moments throughout the game where you go Green Bay wide receivers are still putting up some stats, but what matters more to me is there were still more moments throughout the game where they left meat on the bone, where Rodgers put it where it needed to be. And in those moments where we would have seen him throw the ball to Devonte Adams and it be these clear catches and clear touchdowns. They, they do not have that. And, and I know it's a giant dub, but that is still a takeaway. Uh, the, again, the Packers defense did not play the way that they needed to, but on the flip side, I will say. That Matt Patricia called a pretty good game as the offensive coordinator for the Patriots. He really especially, protected
0: his quarterback,
1: especially given the fact that they were playing Bailey's athlete yes.
0: quarterback. And that's a good look, point.
1: Matt Patricia is a punching bag, right? Especially for how he ran things in Detroit. A lot of people like to go after him, and some of it's probably warranted. But Matt Patricia's calling offensive plays and is an offensive, the offensive line coach and senior football advisor. Right. So he's on the offensive side of the ball for the Patriots, also as the play caller for the first time since 2005, when he was the offensive line coach for the Patriots. And he was an offensive assist- assistant a little bit before that. Then he switched over to the defense. He was a linebacker's coach, he was a safety's coach, he was a defensive coordinator before he ended up being the head coach of Detroit. So I don't know, man. I, I just think that he's still figuring it out, and I thought he put a really good game plan together. It's hard to judge the Patriots for anything because you could tell that they told Bailey Zappi, brother, just don't throw a pick. Like, we, do, we don't care what you do. Do not fumble the ball. Do not throw a pick. If you even think you're getting pressured, go down. There were a couple of plays that were hilarious because Bailey Zappi was already giving himself up, falling to the ground, before, the, before, like, the defender even cleanly beat the offensive tackle who was close to him, so it was it's hard to judge the Patriots in that way but I would say the big storyline for me after watching that game is that until Rodgers gets really comfortable with his wide receivers or if that happens this year there's always going to be a little bit holding the Packers back from what that offense could be or what we have seen from an Aaron Rodgers led offense in the past so uh, last game last game is the Raiders the Broncos, Broncos and the Broncos Raiders get off the schnei. they get the win there's no more winless
0: teams in the NFL they're now 1-3 32-23 no think? there is a winless team in the NFL the Houston Texans oh you're right you're correct three and one
1: oh three and one you're correct you're correct yes yes all right what did you think about this one Raiders and, and uh and Broncos
0: I think the Raiders are just too talented to go on that kind of skid, right? Where I yes. couldn't, I couldn't believe yes. they went zero and three. So I'm not surprised they were super competitive today, and you know, obviously, uh, were pretty consistent. They went up at, uh, they were up at halftime, seventeen to sixteen. They did what they had to do in the second half. They got Josh Jacobs going. That was the most important thing to me is if Josh Jacobs, who was playing in the Hall of Fame game for some reason and felt like he was entirely written off. <laughs> I'll never forget that as yeah. long as I live. <laughs> You're if, right. if they can get Josh Jacobs going and not have Carr having to be such a hero all the time. And, you know, Devontae Adams is going to get his targets in this offense, right? I don't really understand what's going on with Darren Waller. I will have to go back and watch this game to understand why it's been such a slow start to the year for him. Mm -hmm. You know, Matt Collins had another day where he got three catches for 33 yards. He's, he's kind of come out of nowhere to at least be somewhat effective, but the balance for the Raiders is what was most important to me, Trevor. The fact that they gave Jacobs the ball almost 30 times. He had 144 yards and two touchdowns. This is going to lead to a much more efficient version of their offense under Josh McDaniels in the long term.
1: Yeah, and on the flip side, the Denver Broncos didn't have it, right? Javante Williams, before he got hurt and went out. Ooh, 10, that's 10, a big carries, one. 10 carries, 28 yards. Melvin Gordon had three carries and eight yards, but he also had a crucial fumble in which um, Robertson picked up and, and scooped and scored, so that was huge. It was a massive swing in that game. And when you look at the passing stats, KJ Hamler led the Broncos in receiving with 55 yards. That came off of one pass. It came from a beautiful vintage Russell Wilson moon ball. But outside of that, they were not a, there, there was nothing dynamic about what the Broncos were doing on offense. So it's tough to really look at what they had and, and think that there was both balance and efficiency of what you wanted to do and how you wanted to be dynamic moving the ball down the field. It was a, just a straight up slow game for the Broncos. I don't think there was anything to really point the finger out here with them. Other than it just was, it, they're going to be up and down this year. And this was a down game for them. And I agree. I think the bigger point was the Raiders were too talented to not pick up a win soon. This wasn't a team that you were going to see threatened to be like, zero and 0 and eight, whatever. Like we have seen in years past, they were going to get a win at some point soon. This could be a catalyst a little bit moving forward, but, um, yeah, that was my, my, my big takeaway from it is it's kind of the same things as you. It was great to see Josh Jacobs have as much success as he did. I don't even think Derek Carr had 200 yards today. Did He He didn't. He, I think he had get 188. 21 for 34, 188. Yeah, and yeah. they they scored 30 points. Obviously, the, the, you know, the scoop and score definitely helped us. But I, I, this was always going to be a weird game. This is always going to be a super weird game, but the Raiders get the win. We figured
0: that would be the case.
1: All right. I think that
0: wraps up the Sunday.
1: Wraps it up. Like Ooh, a Christmas man. present. You know.
0: Yeah, something like that. Because it's, uh, it's
1: October 3rd, which means it's Christmas season, baby. It, I got I the tree yeah. right there to prove it. I got the tree right well, there Well,
0: that it. was more of a, hey, I don't feel like putting this away yet, so <laughs> I will stay out of here, which I respect. Don't, make, don't don't make me plug it in. Don't make me turn the lights on. That's fair. On. It's I'll turn coming, the lights on. <laughs> November 1st. November 1st, the lights can come on. All right. Man. Got a stock watch coming this week, yep. as always. We yep. got... We'll do something ridiculous for Thursday's show. We're back on the ridiculousness yeah. for the Thursdays. We are. But overall, yeah. uh, you know, and we'll t- maybe Tuesday we'll talk a little bit since yeah the Bucks are playing a huge game against the Chiefs. We'll talk a little Bucks Chiefs off the stock watch as well potentially.
1: Yeah, I saw that they already uh fumbled the opening kickoff to start this game while we were recording this podcast. So
0: sick! Football baby, you love to you see love it. to see that. All right,
1: appreciate everybody uh, listening, everybody watching on YouTube. You guys have thoughts on. What you saw from your team or other teams let us know in the youtube comments or tweet us tweet at us at Tray at Carn j rogers we would love to hear from you we would love to hear from you after tomorrow's podcast is what well, wait not tomorrow's podcast i forgot we changed the schedule so the uh stock watch oh, on
0: wednesday wednesday stock watch comes out on Wednesday, which is better for the people you get yeah. you get we get more film time you get better oh, takes you that's everybody wins what a better what a better way to end the podcast. I'm Trevor Sikoma.
1: That is Connor Rogers. Thank you guys so much for watching the NFL Stock Exchange. We will see you on Wednesday after more film and more takes. We'll see you then.